This is Rugged Matrix America. This is show 34 with Juro Sen, Bruce McLean and Alex Goff. Brought to you by RugbyMag.com. Ray Lehner, our special guest, a coaching guru and player of the past, as well as a new man, James Aldridge. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Rugger Matrix America, Juro Senior Host, joined in New York tonight by the irrepressible Bruce McLean. Yeah, great show we got tonight, Bronk. I'm excited to be here. I think we're going to have two very interesting guests and possibly a couple of blog comments on Gainline and Goff. It should be good. All right, and uh, you mentioned Alex Goff. Hey, Alex, how are you going? Hey, Jero, I'm doing great. I'm excited about the show as well because we get to talk to a couple of people with uh, two very different viewpoints and two different, very different backgrounds in the game. So it's good to hear what they have to say. Yeah, bumper show. So, Bruce, uh, let's uh, kick it off, uh, get underway for show 34, and welcome our special guest. Well, we have 50-cap prop from Cal Berkeley, multi-time national champion, um, a couple blues at Oxford University, um, World Cup appearances, and he is now the coach of the Olympic Club, who has a very successful sevens and fifteens program. He was the coach in the NA four for the Hawks, which was the West Coast team, and might have been the Falcons, but it was the West Coast NA four team. And most recently, he has been coaching the United States under twenties. And that's the reason we have him here, because he recently resigned from his position, and there's not a lot of people in USA Rugby who blame him for doing so, because uh, funding cuts, but funding seems to be found for other things. So, without further ado, Ray Lehner, welcome to the show. Thanks, for, thanks Bruce, for your introduction. It's very flattering. I'm... Uh, I only received 38 caps, not 50, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite nice of you to uh, think that I was that good once. <laughs> well, hey, Ray, you were an excellent player, multiple blue. Uh, Adam Russell, one of our AC second rows, speaks about as highly of you as, as he can of anybody. And you know what? I just want to let's just kick off the show and really get to the meat and potatoes of it. Bottom line is you took the under-20s job, and there was a reason you took it. What was your vision for the program going into it? And then, you know, there'll be some follow-up questions around ex exactly what, what went down. But what was your vision of the under-20s program going into it, and how were you going to do it, who were you going to do it with, and that kind of stuff? Well, I was pretty excited when Matt Sherman approached me about it. It, it was something that, um, you know, I mean, I, I – uh, I love this game, and I've given a, a good portion of my life to it, and I, I want to stay involved. I like coaching, and you know, I'm a professional educator, high school teacher. I like working with that age group, and uh, you know, I, I thought that we could really make make it a pretty special experience for these for these young guys uh, coming through the ranks and uh, get them ready for the next level. My uh, my NA four experience was uh, was terrific with uh, Matt Sherman and uh, Craig Brown was our manager and I really like working with those do so so um, that that's that was my you know perspective going in 
Ray, the uh, that's what you had expectations for, and one of the things that you did when you went into to to coach the team was that you said that a couple of things had to change. One of them being that the the team wouldn't play during the school year, that that would disrupt the 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 obviously the the studies and also the the college rugby or the high school rugby. Uh, season for those players you wanted to play in the summer, uh, centering it around not so much competitions as centering it around touring uh, or, or a, I don't know, I guess we could say an academy type approach as well. Um, is, is, is that accurate and, and did you really get that? Well, yeah, what, what, what we wanted to do and uh, Matt and myself and, and Brownie, uh, Manager Brown, was uh, we wanted to get out of the IRB trophy so long as they were going to hold it in April. And uh, we wanted to align the under-20 schedule with the uh, American high school and university academic schedule, that being the first priority. I mean, it's pretty unrealistic to ask a young man to miss a month of school in April um, and then still expect to complete his, you know, his 16 or 20 units and uh, graduate on time and all that stuff. And I, I just didn't want to put guys in that situation. I also thought, you know, to a lesser matter would be, you know, approaching these coaches and saying, hey, we need your best guys uh, right when you're going into playoffs, you know. And so I, I didn't want that. That wasn't where we wanted to go. We wanted to say we either consider the IRB trophy and have them move it to suit us, so have it in June, or we'll have our camps and we'll go play um, We'll go play international competition on our own terms, you know. Uh, the, the Junior World Trophy isn't, isn't, isn't the end all and be all. Um, and, and, you know, that first year we got out of it and, uh, we started to put things in place, uh, you know, to, to host it, uh, it still left us with a, we kind of had a, a cycle ending of under twenties and what we wanted to do with them was, uh, go on a tour. And, uh, there was a tour on the table at one point, um, the, the, uh, the chief, you know, the, the, the chair, um, Nigel called me and said, uh, you know, where should we go on tour? You know, we're looking at doing something in June. And uh, and I said, I'd, I'd, I think I'd like to go to Australia probably and play, you know, play some of those uh, club Colt teams and maybe maybe uh, a New South Wales, um, you know, we have our hands full, but a New South Wales under 21s or something. Um, but that never materialized. And so, uh, you know, that was one of the that was one of the first kind of setbacks in our in our plan. Ray, what? What was what did this team accomplish under your tenure, and, and and like what are some of the accomplishments that you would you would look at, even in the limited budget, and what wasn't accomplished, based on you know budgetary constraints or or any other things that possibly were were there, and and why weren't they accomplished, based on like you know if you were looking back, you now you're a, a Monday morning quarterback. What would you do differently? What What did you like what, yep. that happened? Well, you know, it uh, it was quite a learning curve for me as well. You know, I came in, uh, you know, as they say, uh, full of piss and vinegar. In uh, in June, in July, we had our first uh, so our first selection camp in Denver, and um, you know, I had to I had to kind of temper my expectations and and you know it, it was just a, like I said it was a learning curve you know I think we made a lot of progress with a core group of guys we uh you know Matt and I come from the same sort of stable at uh, at Cal you know as far as our coaching techniques and approach to the game and um 
I think we made some progress, you know, getting some systems and getting a, a culture in place that we wanted to uh, move forward with. Uh, the, um, the winter camp that we had in December and uh, January, you know, kind of revealed some of that progress we made, you know, that core group of guys that we stayed together with, you know, about uh, about half the team we selected had already been together for our first camp. And and I think we made we made some progress. You know, we would probably never measure our our results or should I say, you know, our success in wins and losses because it's always going to be a, a tough road to hoe for us. You know, we played that New Zealand uh, under 23 team and they were very good. Uh, but we made progress in the style of play and, and our ball retention, our physicality at the breakdown. Um, you know, at the line of touch, we were we, we we made a lot of progress, and I was very happy with that. I really, again, you know, that international competition was great, and as we uh, kind of look to move into the next cycle, is where I was pretty disappointed. You know, this last July, we were supposed to have a selection camp um, to begin to pare down a short list for the IRB Trophy, which I know again now is on the table to be hosted in Glendale this June. And that camp got canceled, and that was a real setback. I mean, you know, it's going to be tough to you – know, that was the camp where we take these June uh, regional all-star tournaments, and from there we, uh, we make a short list of guys, and we'd bring in maybe 50 players. And from that group of 50 players, we would uh, pare it down. And, you know, moving through the cycle, the winter camp, we would uh, ideally select, a, a, you know, a team of 28 – and, and maybe look to kind of make some final cuts towards the team we'd want to take in the IRB trophy. So not having that camp was a real, a pretty serious blow to our preparation. Uh, and that's when I started to wonder, you know, if, if, if my approach and expectations and philosophy are, are sailing in the same direction as the leadership of USA rugby. And, uh, you know, it, I think it's pretty clear that it, that it was not. And, uh, you know, I had I had to weigh all these things up. I um, I wanted to wait till the the board meeting in September, and I wanted to see what kind of political will was out there as far as making a change at the top. And you know, it never really materialized. And to me, that said, look, nothing's going to change. I really think, um, for me personally, I had to cut my losses and uh, step away from from coaching this team because I, you know, it's not a it's not a structure that I can work in. Ray, you said uh, when we talked a little bit about this earlier that you had, uh, I think I charitably described as d- uh, diff- communication difficulties with uh, uh, with Nigel Melville and, and others with USA Rugby. Is that right? Yeah, you know, again, I, I don't know how to really explain it, uh, if it's a, a leadership style thing or not. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty direct guy and, uh, you know, I... Where I come from, if you have issues with somebody, you go and talk to them or you send them an email and you say, what's up? And let's get this sorted out. And and I pretty obvious to me that wasn't uh, Nigel's style. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that we ever, you know, had a good connection in that regard that, you know, I think when if he didn't reply to an email that I probably got more aggressive in my next email that then he wouldn't reply to. And I think he prefers to kind of work through uh, work through the the chain of command rather than having me go directly to him. But it, uh, you know, that's not really where I, uh, that's not where I come from. So no, but the dogs are barking there <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in the background. 
you're, you're lucky. You're lucky. Ray's keeping down because it, the Ray would be barking too if he. I think he's. I think he's trying to control himself. <laughs> Let yourself go, baby. It's a free show, baby. Come on. <laughs> well, well, Ray, what what would you like to see from from this this program going forward? Well, there, there's clearly there's a there's a philosophical uh, impasse in how USA Rugby wants to treat the age grade program. You know, I would. I think we would all be forgiven in thinking that the current uh, leadership would like to do nothing but chase test victories at all costs. And to do that, they've sold the farm and resources then get allocated poorly. And I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, the facts speak for themselves, you know, that the tour's on, the tour's off. We don't have the money for it. Sorry. We have half the budget we thought we were going to get. Um, those revenue streams haven't materialized. Um, the, the camp in July, it was on, now it's off. Um, again, those revenue streams haven't materialized. We don't have the budget we need. This is what you guys are going to get. You're going to have to make the best of it, you know, and that, that's just not really good enough for many reasons, you know, and, and the largest one I've articulated you guys before is that this age group pays a disproportionate percentage of CIPP dues and they're not getting it back in return. And that, that's, to me, that's not right. Well, let's get let's get back to that because you and I had spoken off air about this, and I had mentioned this in an earlier show that about about age grade rugby is. I spoke to Scott. I spoke to uh, oh, Jesus. How did I forget? His name? I spoke to Scott. I spoke Mag. to Mags, and then I spoke to um, and I spoke to you and Salty, and they both said that because they have a summer program almost exclusively, they needed a hundred grand, and you have. You needed, and, and Salty agreed, concurred, two separate conversations. Neither one of you spoke to each other about it. They would probably happen within five minutes of each other. That you needed $150,000 to per- participate effectively in the Junior World Trovat. Not even effectively, to participate and, and just be, be capable rugby players in the Junior World Trophy. And, and I didn't really think that any of that was completely out of whack. I thought that those were were reasonable numbers and 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 what's what's going on like what's with this is there anything what did you have a budget did anyone ever know the budget did your manager know the budget what's the story how did this whole process work well you know a, a guy who better to answer that would be matt sherman you know matt was kind of the the go-between for a lot of this stuff um and 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 i you know i kind of I always deferred to Matt in, in most of these matters. And then as it started to get a little sideways and things weren't coming out like I had hoped, you know, and, and Matt wears a lot of hats for USA Rugby, by the way. You know, he's a, an assistant coach on the Eagles. He's the age grade director. You know, I mean, he, he does just about everything anyone asks him to do. And, and so I don't necessarily blame Matt and how this went down. But, you know, the, 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 I think the budget, the budgetary meetings or negotiations, uh, you know, it was pretty clear that, the uh, the age grade was going to get the short shrift in all uh, all of those matters, you know, and and that's just not it's not right, you know, it's not good enough. There was there was a time when we weren't allowed to put CIPP dues towards the men, the operating budget of the men's national team, and and I don't know, you know, I think that changed under Doug Arnott, who uh, who couldn't raise a dime for USA Rugby, and you know, I mean, I just think that that's it's not right. I mean, we. USA Rugby's number one goal should be to develop the domestic game in this country, and the age grade program is part of that. And I just I think that they're uh, I think they're misguided in how they're approaching things now. 
Well, it's interesting to point out that with the CIPP dues, Ray, because uh, back when that was the rule, we were talking about USA Rugby getting, you know, the in, entire budget being $3 million and change. Now, USA Rugby probably gets about, will probably expect between September 1st of this year and through summer of next year, more than $3 million in CIPB dues alone. Yeah. So that they've got, there's a huge, compared, compared to what, how USA Rugby used to operate, there is a huge pool of money of CIPP dues. Three million bucks. Some of it uh, is now allowed to go to the, uh, the, the men's national team, but they raise dues to, to pay for that. They're still, they, they, you remember, they, they raised the, the club registration dues from $25 to $150. That's a little extra thing right. that went in uh, a few years ago. So there should be, you, you would think that there would be money available $100,000, $200,000 for the U-20s. But at the same time, uh, to, to be a little devil's advocate there, um, you you did get to do something. The U-20s did get to do something. They did get to play in the uh, the Collegiate All-Star Championships and uh, play uh, University of Wales Institute Cardiff. So you got something, you know, you could check off and, and anybody could look at it and say, well, the U-20s played in the summer. What more do they want? So, and I guess I would ask you that. What, what, what's more? What are we missing here that you got to do something? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I can appreciate that. I don't think the collegiate ITTs is a gr- was a great proving ground for, for my team. We went one and one um, in that tournament. I, uh, you know, I mean, I, I had a lot of issues with, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're different teams, right? I mean, these collegiate teams are, are they're, they're, they're doing something different than what we're trying to do. And so then we enter this tournament and, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I try to lobby to the, to the other coaches that, you know, I, I got a bunch of guys and some of them are still playing high school rugby and I'd like to see them all play in our first game. How would you feel about some open substitutions? And, and I got a bunch of pushback from, from just about everyone. Uh, you know, Ron Bowers from the Midwest is a good pal of mine and a great guy, and he had no problem with it because he can see the bigger picture, you know. But some of the other coaches are, you know, they 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 missed it, and, and so you know, I that left a pretty bad taste in my mouth that we have to you know play in the in the tournament, and and we're not going to get to you know, I mean, my my uh, I'm a competitive guy, I don't get anything to lose it, but at the same time, you know, this was about evaluating players, it was about getting a look at guys. Moving forward with this, uh, you know, this IRB trophy a year away being the final destination of many of these players. This is about evaluating, getting a look at guys, watching them play, see how they do under pressure, uh, looking at guys in different positions. I mean, there's just a lot of work. We're not together long enough for for me to have this. You know, I mean, I got to get all this done in in one weekend and two matches. You know what I mean? It, and so that that was a it was a setback. The only way it can be looked at now. The Wales and Cardiff game was uh, was you know again that was a pretty good testing ground. It was a fast game. They're very good. A lot of older, experienced players, and it was a learning curve. But you know, I mean that that's American rugby players are going to face that challenge all the time at this age group. It's always going to be a uh, a steep learning curve, and we need to go in every game and we need to play well to be competitive. If we don't play well, you know, it can turn into a track meet pretty fast, and so. Um, you know, I'll take the Wales game. The other two games I wasn't really delighted with. I uh, The bigger setback was this 
selection camp in July that never materialized. You know, I mean, we really needed that. I don't know if I was still in the job. I'm not sure how I would go about now. The next stop is the winter camp, and that's the last dry run before you're going to be in this tournament, you know. And I'm just uh, – I think there's a big challenge there. As Americans, we've already faced so many compromises we have to make, you know, as rugby players in this nation. And, um, you know, to not, to, not have, uh, to not have all our ships sail in the same direction, just uh, for mine anyway, is a recipe for disaster. Uh, actually, I was – it's it's funny that you mentioned how you how you mentioned. I I think that at that level, where wins and losses are important, I don't I don't think they're that critical. I think identification. That I I would rather lose games and find seven eagles than win games and find two. Um, Absolutely. So, that being said, one one of the things that one of the things that really turned Scott Lawrence off was the fact that he's not able to just go. He wants to spend his budget on finding guys, not necessarily on playing games. Because he doesn't care about playing games. He just cares about finding guys. And then you'll have him. He'll find what he can for you. You find some, and then you play games. And then, But there it, it, it didn't seem to be a whole lot of cohesion as to what we were trying to achieve between the high school Americans, the under-20s, the, um, the college All-Americans, and the, and and the ARC and the senior men's national team. That's not to say that there wasn't that, that people don't communicate. I mean, obviously, you know. I mean, I speak to Dave Hodges all the time. I'm sure that a, a lot of people do. And and you know, people speak to Payne and 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 and, and Sherman and Eddie and everybody speaks to everybody all the time. But this, it, I think that USA Rugby tries to do too much. Like I, I, I would rather they stay out of the club game and, and, and the school's game and just, and just focus on the elite game because I don't think that there's any real cohesive plan as to how, how the elite game actually interacts with each other, never mind interacts with the club game. And the, when I say club, I mean college and high school and, and anything that's not an all-star team. So I, I, I mean, I, well, yeah, go ahead. Scott, you know, Scott is a, uh, you know, he was a great guy to work with. And, uh, you know, the Olympic club and life have had some pretty good battles over the years. Uh, you know, I really respect Scott and, uh, he and I, you know, talk shop, you know, every couple of months we have a phone call and we exchange some ideas and, and talk about things. And, and I know that, you know, he really did. He, that's what he wants to do. I think he still has kind of a, in his uh, in his war room there, he has a master plan of doing something like that. I, I I'm sure he wants to get out and identify good high school players. And I think it's massively important to go find guys at, at that age who are you know I mean who are the studs the the, the crossover football guys and the wrestlers that play rugby and, and start fast tracking them into into then the next levels you know the the collegiate all Americans and the uh, in the under twenties. I mean, those are the guys, those are the guys that I want. I mean, I, I get as a coach and I coach football, you know, and so I have a real, you know, I, I love those guys. Those are the guys I want. It was always a, a kind of a, a frustrating thing for me to be at these regional all-star tournaments and you see a kid who looks pretty good and say, Hey, how you doing? You know, introduce yourself. And then I say, so do you play football? He says, no, I quit football. Cause I really wanted to focus on rugby. And to me, I kind of just, throw my hands in the air and feel like, well, 
I think that's a mistake, but you know, I just, you know, I, I, I want the guys that are multi-sport athletes that come from our big, you know, our big sports, basketball, football, wrestling, um, you know, even soccer, those guys can all be, you know, they, they, they their skill sets, uh, and their athleticism are what we need. You know, I'm not that interested, um, in, in the kid that's that quit football as a sophomore because he wanted to focus, you know. You know, that's actually well, something that at Xavier, one of the things that we look at is, and we don't cut anybody from the rugby team now, and, and thankfully, because it, it really has made us a lot better. But so we have 120 kids in the program, but the, the biggest thing is to not pressure kids who play other sports. It's a big thing for us because, you know, obviously the basketball players and the wrestlers and some of the swimmers get out a little bit later. And they're not into it. The football players are there early. The soccer players are there early. But the other guys aren't into it. So we, we don't ever put any pressure on them. And one of the things we also do is we work with the football coach and the strength and conditioning coaches for the school whose sons actually play rugby. And the football coach was a rugby player with Mike and I and, and all the other Xavier coaches. But they, like, we work within their program. Our players go to – like our rugby players at Xavier – Go to Xavier three times a week at 7 o'clock in the morning to lift weights. So they have to be at school at 7 o'clock in the morning. They lift weights in the morning. They go to school at 8, 8, 15. And then, and then they go to rugby practice afterward. And that, that's the commitment they make. And they have to take a train and a bus to school. It's not that easy to get to Xavier. I mean, I went there. You know, you, you, I, had, I had about an hour commute, which was on, on the mid-end. Most guys have between 45 minutes and an hour and a half. So it, it's, a, it's a nasty commute on the way in and the way out. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's what they do. What can those, be done see, at, those at are schools the kids, those, that really can happen? Yeah, well, those yeah, are the guys that, that we need to, that, you know, Scott's out there trying to find. Those, those uh, you know, the football player, the wrestler who, who, who's, you know, he's doing all the varsity athlete stuff. You know, I mean, he, it's a, those are high-performance sports. It's a high-performance model, and, and those are the guys that we – that we as a nation need to make sure continue to play rugby. And, uh, you know, I, I think you can probably have, uh, you can, in a high school program, you can probably have a degree of inclusivity and at the top still have your elite team. Yeah. One, one, I, Alex, I hate to cut you off on this. I, I wanted to That's jump fine. in again. Um, when I, in an earlier show, I don't, I don't know if it was on a show or in an article or something. I was talking to Melville and God, did I get, punished for this on game line please don't punish me anymore um and and one of the things he said was how he expected to win the junior world trophy and in my mind i mean obviously winning is important and and but but winning isn't winning isn't that important like i think that if you're a teacher and you're a coach i think that like if you emphasize learning you know then that's the critical thing because if if you're motivated by winning and basically you motivate the players like the, about winning and it's all about winning, then the actual value of the learning process becomes a little bit lessened. And basically like what happens is then the guys, the players, they start focusing on winning and not the means to winning. And, and well, like, he, um, I think that in order to win, you have to focus on learning what it takes to win and then you'll win. If you focus on winning – you're going to get neither. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I remember his comment because I listened to that podcast. And uh, 
I think he said something to the effect of, yes, if we get in it and host it, I expect our team to win it. And then you called him on it and said, well, that's not really a, a, a very fair way to evaluate the success of a coach or a program. And then he backpedaled and he went to, well, if we put all the resources into it that uh, Ray wants or something to that effect. And I actually, I, re- I responded to him in an email and uh, I said, you know, Nigel, I, uh, I will accept the challenge. If you are willing to put the resources required to be successful in this tournament, you know, I, I, I will assemble a team that will go and, you know, we're going we're gonna to go all out to obviously. But I agree with you, Bruce, that, you know, he talked about benchmarks and what are your, what are your benchmarks? How do you, uh, what are your key performance indicators? And um, I agree that, you know, teaching guys the game and uh, is more in identifying has to be our number one goal. But yeah, I know I remember when he said that. And, and funnily enough, you know, I, uh, I said to Sherm, I said, Matt, I go, I want to send Nigel an email and I want him to reply to it. So I'm really trying to be as diplomatic as possible. And, uh, and I really, you know, I mean, I did my best to not be too direct. And I sent him this email and uh, never got a reply from him. So, uh, I don't know. I, that was that left me really frustrated because I just wasn't sure, you know, what to do next. And uh, anyway, but yeah, no, I remember when he said that, and I thought it was, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that that's the way you uh, you evaluate uh, the success of a coach or a program at this level, right? I mean, you know, if, if I was the head football coach at University of Florida, it'd probably be a little bit different. But you know, I think it's it's uh, it's kind of a you know, it's not doesn't show great insight into uh, what we're trying to do. You can't throw the victory element out the window completely, though. The players have still no, got I don't, I don't. still got to experience, or, or otherwise, it's just like um, well, glorified training, if I can be so bold. No, that, no, I, I don't think we're doing that. I mean, I, I agree. I, I, you know, in, in the Junior World Trophy, the uh, you know the way we wanted to approach it. So we have this this selection camp in July, and then. Brownie and I, for the winter camp, we wanted to play an under-20 national team, you know, and maybe Japan, maybe Italy, maybe Canada. But one of our competition in the IRB Trophy is preparation to get ready for, you know, to have a dry run mm. at what it looks like. And, um, you know, all teams that that we would be competitive with and or, you know, turn over. So. Hmm. You know what, hey, Bronk, I, I want to I take a little bit – Winning, winning is important, and, and, and when people say that winning is not important, generally they're associated with losing programs, you know, and that, so it does matter, but the, the fact is that it's not just, it's not just winning the game. It's, it's, it's really striving to play the game as a team as best you can. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, well, when do you? When it, you talked about it before, you you have to talk about the winning in the same breath. Well, the, the yeah, but the winning, the winning, it's talking about the preparation to win. Everybody wants to win on Saturday, Bronk. It, it's who wants to win the other fifty-two weeks of the year. You know, I mean, there's a there's a week or two weeks of the Junior World Trophy. Yeah, everybody wants to win when they're out there. That a monkey wants to win, but we want to talk about who wants to win. Who wants to put in the work for 50 weeks a year? One of the hookers going to throw. One of the fly halves going to kick. One of the goal kickers kicking. 
you know, I mean, I was talking to fly halves the other day. I was like, you know, they're like, oh, I just kick it out and I try to be safe. I'm like, the difference between putting a team and a line out off a penalty at the five and at the 10 is massive. The amount of mental stress that a team is under when they're at the five meter line as opposed to the 10 or the 12 is a massive, massive difference. You need to consistently put them under pressure. Because massive mental pressure is what breaks teams. They don't break down physically. They break down mentally. And when they break down mentally, then they break down physically. You know, and, and that's, that's my feeling on it. Pressure is a mental thing. And, and I think that when you, when you take winning into account, you're going to organize your practices better. You're going to be better organized. You're going to be more meaningful. You know, you're going to have a competitive environment. Those types of things are critical. But the approach... The approach that you take, what do you do on a daily basis consistently to make yourself better? That's what a winner is. The person who can look himself in the mirror and say, I did make this preparation. I did go running. I did lift weights. I did practice my skills. I did go to practice. I did these things. And everybody on my team did them. And if they did that and they put in that full effort, then they're not losers in my book. The clock just ran out on them. If they didn't do that, then they're losers. But to focus on the winning and not on the process is foolish, and you lose by doing it. Yeah, we're not saying that, but uh, we're saying that it has to be, a, a, at this level, uh, there has to be both elements in play. But, Ray, um, surely if you're running American rugby, if you're running any organization, you, know, you have to come down to some numbers and boxes that tick off. Uh, what are you happy to get ticked off on? Uh, well, you know, I mean, it was a, you know, all in. I think I was, uh, I was, I was uh, in the head coach for uh, 16 months. I, um, you know, I, I think we we made a lot of progress in, uh, in in some core skills. You know, I mean, I I really was, uh, I was so delighted with how we played in that second game against the under 23s. You know, I mean, it was a pretty competitive game for about 50 60 minutes and then um you know then they just they pulled away and we never really recovered you know we were at our we were at our at, at our at our full distance um but we were so physical at the breakdown we really in defense gave them a hard time our ball retention was good and we we gave them a, a pretty sour time at the point of contact uh you know we identified some guys you know uh don don potty uh, at Utah, I mean, you know, he he really showed his, uh, you know, maybe the best player on the field in that game. Um, you know, with all those uh, with all those New Zealand under twenty three players. So, I mean, it 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 was a, uh, I mean, those are some of the things that that, that I looked at. I think um, giving the guys a a big time rugby experience is something. You know, it's it's high performance rugby, age grade national team rugby has to be different than your club or high school or college. It, it just has to be. It can't be. If a guy thinks this is just another ordinary, you know, amateur club rugby experience, well, you know, I think we've let him down. I mean, they have to feel, and, and, and we did a lot of stuff, you know, I mean, we turned them on to strength, strength and conditioning, um, you know, lots of the uh, speed, agility, and quickness, the the testing stuff that we did. You know, Matt Sherman really liked, uh, we put together some good life skills. Craig Brown, every assembly would give a little life skills seminar to these guys. And, you know, he, he had every guy make a resume and uh, and he t had him turn it in by the end of the week to him so he could proofread them. 
And tons of guys came back with great feedback from that, said, hey, you know, I just applied for a job and I, I knew how to do this. And I otherwise don't think I would have been able to get it done. And, you know, I mean, so some stuff off the field we did well is also. Well, Ray, the, uh, the after, after you stepped down, I got a note from from a parent of one of the U-20 players uh, who was very concerned with what's going to happen with the program afterward and concerned about uh, um, not really knowing what's going on next. And I guess the, the constituency that we don't really talk about in this conversation, we've, we've talked about the players sort of as as almost pawns on a chessboard, but we're, we're sort of representing the, the membership of USA Rugby in talking about this this national team and we've talked about the coach the coaches and, but I think the players and, and and you just brought it up really the players and the kind of experience they should have but also the parents what do we what do we do for the not not for the parents but how do we communicate to the parents that this is worth doing because you know I I uh, I send my son to a to a math camp every summer and I, I, I and it's not cheap but I do it because it matters and you you make all these decisions. Well, should we go to this one or should we do this one? And what what do they get out of it? And what do they have to put into it? And all these things. It's a really big decision. And I think for any any parent who's sending a kid or helping pay for some kind of a rugby activity um, that could be a football activity or a soccer activity or an academic activity, he could be going to band camp. He's got to get something out of it to say what are they getting out of it. So I guess long-winded question. What do you think these kids get out of it, and what do you think the parents see? What's the value, and what and what do you hope that your 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 successor or USA Rugby would be able to to understand that they can communicate to these parents and these kids that this is worth doing? Yeah, well, you know, I I think again, sadly, uh, American rugby has uh, we have plenty of challenges and. There's so many teams out there. You know, we, we get a lot of very good-natured volunteers, but a lot of times, you know, the, the bar is just pretty low. And, and so you get a kid from a program that, that doesn't have a great deal of leadership or experience in their coaching ranks, and, and they just do things a little bit, you know, not, not, not what an uh, elite team would do. And so you bring that kid in, and you got to change his culture a little bit, you know, that this is, uh, this is the way – national teams around the world do things, you know, and we, we have, we're going to get up early in the morning and we're going to lift weights and then we have meetings. And then, you know, the guys are always overwhelmed with how many meetings you have at a national team assembly. They just can't believe that because they've never thought about the game in a cerebral way. They've never been challenged to, here's a, here's a playbook and you're going to need to take notes in meetings and you're going to be held accountable for it. You're going to be called out on what should you have done on this, you know, and this was the call and you chose to do this during the video. And, you know, I mean, all that stuff is has to make the experience different. Um, you know, with the parents, I, I really, um, I think there was so much to do. I would have liked to have done more in that. I would have liked to have had more contact with the parents. Obviously, as a high school teacher, I'm, I talk to parents a lot. And uh, in education, I don't see why it's so. it would be so different, although these kids are a little older, you know. Um, we did some stuff with parents down in Santa Barbara that, uh, you know, it was pretty nice. We organized a little social function and got to meet them and talk to them and see them in kind of a different light. And, and uh, you know, I think it's great. I think it really shows that, that 
you're you're willing to engage and, and meet these people and talk to them and as you say you know let them know that it and uh so yeah i mean i, I i'm i'm uh I think given the guys opening their eyes to the possibilities of of big time rugby, you know, I mean, let them let them have some big time rugby and let them see it. And and and, and I think again, my uh, my football bias is I think when a kid comes in and sees, man, this is a serious sport. This isn't just a bunch of guys tackling each other in a parking lot. You know, this is a big time this is a big time sport. And you know, the the under twenty camp, I, I tried to run it like any any professional outfit or varsity sport that I've been involved with that you know it it's uh the standards are higher the bar's higher we expect more and and that's the experience I want these kids to have well certainly American rugby has been better off for your contribution uh, Ray thanks very much for joining us we have to move on to our next interview which is a, a football theme actually so uh, thanks for chiming in tonight your time is appreciated and, and good luck thanks guys it was great Ray, thanks a lot, and it was uh, it's always it's always a pleasure to speak to Ray about rugby. He's definitely he definitely has the opinions, and and he has the the best interests of USA Rugby at heart. And and I and I think that he's somebody we need to listen to, and you know, agree or disagree. I think that uh, he has he has definitely been a long serving member of our community, and I think that. Um, you know, definitely we should be listening to him and, and taking his words to heart. But, Bronk, I, right now I want to I want to bring up a topic that has been has been ongoing in America. And, you know, it's, it's along the lines of what's going on with the U-20s is that they don't like we don't have an academy system. And we talk in America, if we can only get these guys who played, you know, give me the third string running back from Michigan or give me the fourth string team from the university of miami we'd kick the snot at everybody in the world let us just train them for six months well well james aldridge from from notre dame football has come and decided to play rugby with the new york athletic club uh, miles craigwell played sevens with the new york athletic club and has played a little bit of rugby with the new york athletic club and they are the same guys that we're talking about except they were starters and they were guys who actually went into nfl camps and wound up getting cut or putting put on, you know, put on hold. And so, what essentially happened was, what I found out is that we're not even ready to take these guys. Like at the New York Athletic Club, in our fall season, which is our non-competitive season, we are that. We are just a non-competitive team. We're just running around doing some things, you know setting up a couple systems, giving guys a couple chances to play, and we're not really strict on whether or not guys make practice. We're not strict on who goes to games. We play three or four or five games in the season. It's really not a big deal. We don't have anything that remotely puts these guys into a situation where they can grow and develop as players. And I'm talking about we're one of the best clubs in the country. We have a training facility. We have five good coaches. We have people who know what they're talking about, know what they're doing. We just don't have, we don't have an infrastructure in place to make it happen. So what we've decided to do is actually take James and Miles and we called Rob Holder, one of our previous guests, the former Eagle manager who runs Spearhead Rugby Academy. And there's an, another guy named Kevin Battle at UCSB who runs another rugby academy. And essentially sometime this week, 
Miles and James, they just got back from sevens camp in USA for the USA sevens, and they weren't skilled enough players to to be effective at camp. They were athletic enough. They just weren't skilled enough. So what we're going to do is we're going to send these guys to Rob's academy, and they're going to be there for from now until February, and they're gonna and they're gonna try to develop their skills, and and what we've done now is I basically have James Aldridge sitting right next to me, and he's gonna take my headphones and he's gonna be interviewed by you guys in, in terms of what rugby is in America and his experience there and. And this is a failing that I see, is that the, the clubs aren't – we could talk about we need these guys to play. Well, now we have them, and we can't even do anything with them. So we have to find a way, and the AC has chosen to outsource our development of, of elite athletes to Rob Holder, which who I trust implicitly. But here's James right now, and James, welcome to the show. Okay, yeah. hey, guys, thanks for having me. Hey, James, this is Alex Goff, and uh, great to have you on the show. And uh, you just came out of the, your first USA Sevens camp. And what was that like in terms of a, you know, sort of a welcome to the sport, but also maybe compare that to the, the training camps you've, you've experienced in it with the NFL and with Notre Dame? Well, it was a, a very inviting, you know, uh, set set of guys along with coaches and players, uh, but also a humbling experience at the same time. You know, just going into a camp and uh, not really knowing what to expect, but just kind of going in and just being judged off raw raw athleticism. And I got to the camp and just, you know, and after uh, kind of analyzing what what I what I went through, I see that obviously that's not enough, and I gotta kind of have my rugby my rugby skills uh have to be developed you know I, I feel like another 10 levels after being in this camp you know I, I feel like athletically I can be a standout but when it comes to just having ball skills and kicking and just uh overall uh win and being able to play a whole uh, sevens game or a whole 15s game and not have a problem with my win and you know I've kind of been in football shape my whole life and just cardiovascular cardiovascularly and uh just making this transition is uh kind of something that i feel that i have to work on uh and going into this academy or whatever it may be i feel like maybe the the correct step in uh getting things going in the right direction so you've got uh the the challenges of 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 dealing with the different kinds of fitness and also some of the some of the skills was there a particular skill that, that uh is more difficult for you um to just pick up like that as opposed uh, to another one? Well, uh, as far as skills, I would say uh, just like ball handling. I feel like my right hand is, you know, developed because that's my strong hand. But just like having it be just second nature to in developing my rugby knowledge. I've been watching a lot of game film pretty much nonstop since I decided to make the switch uh, to kind of further my knowledge, along, you know, in this game. And I'm having a, a very, very great time, you know, uh, with, the, with the transition. But just uh, kind of, you know, just developing, you know, my kicking. You know what I mean? I, I I feel like I have a pretty powerful leg, but just developing accuracy and that becoming second second nature. You know, whatever my grub my grubbers are, whatever type of kicks that I need to do and when I need to do them and how I should go about doing them is uh something that I feel like I need to work on. If I can just get uh to a place where I can get engulfed in the um in the mindset of rugby, I feel like that that'll be a a, a great great situation. Does it look like a, a complicated game to you? 
Uh, now that I'm watching, when I first started watching, it was like, okay, let me uh, kind of sit back and kind of figure out what's going on. And <laughs> I was kind of lost, but now it's kind of yeah. it's kind of starting to slow down. I'm kind of understanding what positions that I mean, I I understand in sevens you can end up anywhere on the field, and that's fine. But in fifteens, it's kind of more complex as opposed to sevens, where it's more simplistic and just trying to get the you know good get ball movement and find gaps. And fifteens is kind of kind of close related to a football game as far as complexity goes uh but i'm i'm kind of you know i'm looking at guys and i'm looking at like 12s and 13s and wings you know 6s and 7s and uh seeing watching what they're doing and uh kind of trying to put it in my head to emulate those things when i step on the field james the uh the classic way of people describing uh, rugby to people who don't know much about it they'll say oh well you know that's that's football without pads and and rugby players just sort of shrug and say, well, it's not really. But but there is something to be said about that. And um, I remember when I transitioned from playing rugby to playing football for the first time, it was a big deal for me to – wearing pads wasn't a problem. It was when I realized that there were a whole bunch of people running at me covered in pads and helmets that was kind of <laughs> disconcerting for me. So for you, what what is that – what does that feel like to be out there? So, you know, I don't really have much padding to, to protect me. But at the same time, neither does it, neither does anybody else. Yeah, it's uh, I feel like uh, it's uh, rugby in comparison to football. From what my take is, is football is a collision sport as composed to a controlled contact sport. You know what I mean? Rugby is. I mean, don't get me wrong. Rugby is a very, very like hardcore, hardcore sport in in its in its own way. But I feel like football, you can go strap on a helmet and some shoulder pads and go flying head first into something, and you can't do that in rugby. Yeah, I mean, from from what I yeah, from what I can right. see, um, but as far as like the pads and stuff go, I mean, like guys, as the years progress in football, guys are wearing less and less pads. I mean, kind of let's face them. Headgear is getting a lot more protective, but I mean, most of the time you see guys with little tiny shoulder pads, no hip or thigh pads. So it's kind of it's kind of similar in that, in that way. But I feel I kind of like the change, to be honest. I mean, I feel like uh, this sport is. Uh, kind of custom built for a player like me, and uh, if, if I can get some get uh, some good some good developmental skills uh, implemented in just like in my brain, so it's so everything kind of becomes second nature to be uh, a good tra- good transition. I feel like uh, I, I hope hopefully you know me and Miles can be players at the forefront, you know of of this uh this movement i feel i like i like to call it that we can get some guys switched over to the sport because i feel like rugby is football but football has just americanized it do you think uh in a way that uh yeah football is a great sport but when you play rugby you do have to do more than one thing don't you you have to be able to do a number of skills you can't get isolated otherwise you do a disservice to your teammates and the opposition yep. takes the ball off you. So even if you play flanker, you might have to occasionally kick the ball but or you might have to uh, service the ball in passing. There's a number of things you have to be able to do as well. Yeah, uh, that's one thing I've, you know, I actually, I like that about about the game. You know, you always got to have, you know, a few guys with you in battle at all times. So you can either, you know, offload or when you, you know, following a guy and following up in rucks and getting guys off him. I like that part of the sport, you know what I mean? And I really like the integrity of just the players and the coaches. It's a completely different culture, you know what I mean, as opposed to football, which is, you know, it has, you know, it has its good guys, but I feel like it's uh, on the business side of it, it's a lot more cutthroat than people may may know. 
Hmm. Well, that's a, that's an interesting point, James, because the this is what I hear about the camp, the the the, the sevens team camp is that uh, the players aren't trying to say undermine so that they can get picked. They're trying to help you. Say, well, you you know you didn't understand that thing. Well, let me help you get there. And is is that what you encountered in camp uh, with yeah. the sevens team? Yeah, every I mean everybody I met I met at the camp. It was just so inviting. Every, everybody were you know just trying to help help me. You know what I mean? They knew I was new to the sport. Uh, you know after after meeting some of the guys and it was it was never anything where somebody was trying to undercut you to get to a certain spot. It's just it's all one. You know what I mean? It's just a bunch of guys on a team. We're all competing, but you know it's if if help was needed help was definitely given from coaches and players james there's no better way to play rugby or to learn about rugby than just getting out there and playing because that's when you learn the angles and angles and lines are so critical in this game as as is timing is that an ultimate frustration for you that you just can't go out and play a number of games yeah i mean that was from what i've uh, you know from what i've experience so far in this transition yeah just getting into games and actually getting getting game experience is the best way to go about just pick getting win i mean you can run as many wins as you as you want do it run as many miles as you want run as many suicides as you want but that actual game fitness getting up and tackling you know and having the win to kind of stay focused and having a mental toughness to get the ball and hit a seam or find the line. That's the stuff you can only experience in gameplay or in practice when you're, when you're doing similar things. Now, James, uh, back at Notre Dame, I, the, the story I understand was that you were, uh, you were the tailback at Notre yeah. Dame and, and then the final, your final year, the coach basically said, we don't have a blocking back. We need somebody to uh, step up to be our blocking back and and you took that role so you your your yards went from about i don't know what it was something like 450 a year down to about 10 yeah because it was because a, you 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 chose to be the blocking back yeah and i you know just in that whole the whole situation i just understood that you know that that whole situation i understood that you know being being a fullback would yeah def, definitely you know hurt my draft stock but i figured that you know What's going on at that university is way bigger than my personal problems, and that's that's you know I just, I had you know bought bought into the whole team deal, you know way before my senior year. So them asking me to come, uh, come and play fullback wasn't a problem. You know what I mean? Even though I knew the the future consequences of what it would be, uh, it wasn't a problem. I figured everything you know was going to happen for happen for a reason, and uh, things always fall into place and where I'm at now I'm extremely happy with where I'm at you know with the opportunities that being that are being presented you know what I mean I you know I feel like going to Notre Dame and getting the whole experience of planning up a top tier program like Notre Dame was a blessing you know what I mean but I feel like it's a lot more blessings to come is there a difference between the coaching staff that you've dealt with is there a different approach to how you play the game uh yeah definitely I mean uh you know it's always that same. Uh, you you got to be stern in in this. Phys- it's a physical sport on both sides. But as far as just like positive reinforcement as a fo- as opposed to you know negative re- reinforcement telling you not to do this or not to do that or saying you can't do this. I feel like 
just depending on the coach, really. Uh, but I feel like it, you may hear it a lot more in football as opposed to, you know, the coaching I've received from all the rugby coaches that I've dealt with uh, just in this short time has always been positive and trying to focus on positive things and fix the negative, fix the things that I need work on, you know, slowly but surely. Excellent. You know, you're talking about making the choice uh, uh, with rugby and football. They don't play football in the Olympics, and you know, rugby is now an Olympic sport. Uh, I, does that did that come up? Does that something that that guys are talking about? About you know, what is the USOC going to do for this program? And perhaps maybe we'll be able to train more more uh, regularly, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like uh, with with rugby being an Olympic sport, I mean that's. That's something that's way bigger than uh, I wouldn't say not not just way bigger than you know being on an NFL team, but that's when you, when you got the you know the USA on your chest, you know what I mean. That's we're talking a whole different deal here, you know what I mean. And um, being provided with that opportunity is just something that uh, you know I can just be nothing but appreciative of, you know. All right. Excellent. All right, James, uh, we appreciate your time. I know you're doing even more hard yards because you're with Bruce McLean after hours. <laughs> has he been treating you? Has he been treating you well? Yeah, Bruce. Bruce, I can't. You know, I can't be more thankful. I mean, just somebody giving me a place to lay my head and give me a bite to eat. You know, I can't. I can't ask for much more. Uh, you know, so all, so all my thanks goes to you know, Bruce and everybody in this household for being so accepting. All right, James. Well. Welcome aboard, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in an action, hopefully very soon. Oh, no time. Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. James Allridge, uh, Alex, uh, what a terrific fellow. Well, really, you can tell by the way people talk whether they're serious about mm. something and whether they're going to be a good team guy. And he seems to be totally into his decision. He's not doubting himself. And he also, the things he's talking about in terms of the type of work he has to do, he's clearly uh, you know, a, sort of an honest player. He, wa he wants to look in the mirror and say, this is some of the things, James, that you, you need to fix. And I, I'm really impressed. Well, uh, you know what? I, I, I am back. And um, I just... One of the things that you guys had spoken about, the fullback comment, and one of my neighbors actually asked him about that. And he said, he said would you change anything? And James said, yeah, I might have maybe gone to Harvard. Because it's not about the football. It's about, it's about everything other than football. And, and, and it's, a, it's about becoming a whole person. I think that, that, that him and Miles and, and as I said, and, and as he said, when he said it's it's going to be a movement, he he wants it to be a movement. There are many people who who play college football, got cut in the NFL, and who didn't play college football, who maybe let their life go off track. That he wants to get into uh, into probably holders and 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 battles academy, and and I think that, as I said, I just don't think that the club system outside of possibly life, really has the has an opportunity to put people in a daily training environment to make them better and and so we can't develop these guys and and that, that's a missing link you know we sit and we can't complain about something that we can't work with so we're gonna have to find a way to work with if we're gonna if we're gonna be able to attract these elite players to the game we're gonna have to find a way to be able to work with them and make them and help them to become the rugby players they can be but that all being said i'm really glad it's it's great this is good all right. Well, uh, thanks very much to our guests today. And uh, Bruce, well done for doing that. And uh, Alex, uh, also thanks for chiming in from the West Coast. It's great. All right, gentlemen. 
We shall speak to you all next week when we hit episode 35 of Rugged Matrix America. Until then, have a good week.